Blog Talk Radio. The 2012 NCAA Tournament Final comes down to Kansas and Kentucky, and we'll just go over the basics of this game if you don't already know what they are. Kentucky, of course, has supreme NBA-caliber talent. They've got the likely top pick in next year's draft, and also amazingly have a total of six players on the roster who are projected to be uh, in the NBA. Kansas has lesser talent overall, but does still have some uh, future NBA players, and they also have experienced chemistry, and they play with great defensive intensity. Kentucky's a favorite of six or six and a half points, and that line hasn't moved much since opening, but the total, which is currently between 137 and 138, has moved a bit. It opened a few points higher than that, and it was uh, early sharp action that bet the number down. Both Kansas and Kentucky are only 3-2 against the spread in their tournament games, so neither has gotten to the final by significantly outperforming their expectations. Kentucky's gone over in four of their tournament games, while Kansas has gone under in four of theirs, so there does seem to be a bit of a clash there, but Kentucky's one under came in their last game against Louisville, the one team they face so far that has a defensive bent as well as a talent to have a say in the pace, which is the same thing that they're going to face against Kansas. And Kentucky is also a great defensive team in their own right, so with a total still in the upper 130s, the under may still have a bit of value. Although, as always, late fouling with a spread around six is always a very real concern. Kentucky and Kansas did already meet once this year. That game went to 140. The first half went way under, and the second half went way over. So keep that in mind if you're going to be betting a total in this game. As for myself, I'll probably personally bet a little on the first half and full game unders, and if the first half goes way over, I'll probably put a decent-sized bet on the second half under. As far as the matchup is concerned, Kansas will have the size to match up with Kentucky, if not necessarily quite the talent. And Kansas also does have a shot at out-rebounding Kentucky. Louisville got a ton of offensive rebounds against Kentucky, and Kansas may be even more capable of doing that, and if they can, that'll play a huge role in keeping the game close. Kansas should also have the edge at point guard, which could also be a key. Tyshawn Taylor is playing very well, and he should have an easier time offensively against Kentucky's defender than he did against Ohio State's Aaron Kraft. So looking at all of that, if Kansas can continue to play great defense, rebound well, and have the edge at the point, they could take the game down to the wire and pull it out. On the other hand, teams with Kentucky's length have given Kansas pretty big trouble this year. Kansas lost to Baylor in the Big 12 tournament, and their star Thomas Robinson struggled. Kentucky, of course, is very similar to Baylor in terms of style, only they do it much, much better. And Kansas probably won't be able to easily switch to hitting threes if that happens. Tyshawn Taylor still hasn't hit a three-pointer all tournament long. And furthermore, Kansas struggled but was able to come back against both Purdue and Ohio State, two teams that bring a lot less to the table than Kentucky. But if Kentucky gets out to a big early lead, it's probably going to be over before it's over for Kansas. So that's it. That's the basic deal with this game. We'll see how it turns out. It is a rematch of Bill Self against John Calipari from 2008, when Self that year also had a less talented team that pulled off the upset. This year, Calipari is looking for revenge, and uh, based on the opening lines and the betting patterns, the market seems to have priced this one pretty correctly, giving Kentucky about a 75% chance to win it all. For SBR Forum Videos, I'm Peter Loshak. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the C. Robert Jones Conservative Report. We stayed on the conservative politics side because, you know what, I wanted to throw a little sports in here. As always, joined by the NFL Director of Fandemonium, Mr. Ralph Lanier. Ralph, we got a barn burner tonight. Oh, hang on a second. Wait, wait, wait. Go ahead, Ralph. Uh, sorry, I had you muted. Go ahead. 
No, we still we sure do, man. It's it's going to be a great game. I think we got two two teams that uh, deserve to be there, and they're going to give uh, give each other a real uh, real challenge tonight. That's for sure. Um, obviously, not surprised. Can do you pick Kentucky all along? Uh, surprised Kansas actually is there. I am a little bit. Um, you know, I I picked uh them to lose to Ohio State in the uh, semifinal, but um hey, they they played a lot better and uh Ohio State just uh just didn't seem to to want to win it there at the end and you know, you give Kansas that that opening and they they're going to get you in the end and that's what they've been doing all tournament long. So uh, seeing them's not really a big surprise, um, but I thought Ohio State would be a better matchup in this game. But um, you know, with the Jayhawks, anything can happen. So it's it's pretty uh, pretty cool that it that it's come down to this, and uh, I think it'll be a really good game for everybody. Um, where do you see, as far as where do you see? Let's first. Everybody obviously favors um, Kentucky clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, give me a couple points. What, what do you? What does Ralph Lanier think it's going to take for Kansas to win? Basically, in say three points. Well, you, you know, you look at the matchup. I mean, Kansas matches up with them pretty well. Um, but uh, you know, they, they have a good, good center. You know, big, tall center in Jeff Whitley, and um, you know, he he could be the difference. You know, towards towards the end, down at the boards, getting offensive rebounds. Um, I know um, Louisville was able to do that, like the uh, like the gentleman said at the beginning. Um, that could be a big point for them. But um, talent-wise, um, I think it's it's really going to come down to that at the end uh, and, and all through the game. You know, Anthony Davis is is such a sensational player, and and you know you're going to have to really stop that kid number one to to beat Kentucky. And um, you know, but they're like I said, they're not invincible. I mean, Kansas, you know, they need to play their best game. They don't have the pressure that Kentucky does uh, going into this game just because Kentucky, you know, has been picked to win the whole thing by a lot of people. So I think that takes a lot of pressure off of Kansas uh, this way. But, um, you know, that that could be a factor in the game. You never know. You know, you know nerves have, have affected more than one team more than one time. So, when it comes down to down to the end, I think Anthony Davis is just going to be the more talented person on the on the court, and uh, he's going to be able to lead that team to victory. I think tonight. Well, um, I think two things. Number one is I think you brought up a good point. They match up well, but athlete for athlete, there's a little bit different of a story. Um, right. Also, got to welcome Annie. Have Annie calling uh, from Southern Sense. She wants to talk a little. Basketball. I said I left it on the politics end because I wanted sports to, uh, to invade the po- political end. Because tonight we all know what's what rules more important. Um, I I I do like um, I do like the fact that I think Kansas um, in clutch times uh, stays composed. My question is, I, I I think Kentucky is not Ohio State. Ohio State almost looked like a team that didn't want it. They could have sealed the deal and didn't. And I don't think Louisville, when they tied the score, I, Louisville, as well as they played, I think that was more of a lapse from Kentucky because once the score got tied, Kentucky just took it from there. It never was tied again, and they pretty much just dominated. 
Um, in order for Kentucky or for Kansas to pull off the upset, I think they have to slow the game down. I think if they try to, I think if they try a Louisville approach, they're going to fail. They need to approach it some, maybe similar to what they did with Ohio State, whereas they never were out of it, um, and they kept the gap close enough to where they can get it at the end. In some ways, maybe very similar to the same way they stole the game from Memphis, uh, I think when it was 2008 or 2009. Well, yeah, and they, you know, they were able to come back there right, right at the end. Mario Chambers hitting, hitting a three-pointer with two seconds left to go to overtime. Um, you know, if they get back into this game like that, uh, you really can't count them out any time during, I mean, unless they're, they're losing by 10, 12 points at the end. Um, but, but they hit, they hit some, just some huge free throws against Ohio State. Um, you know, it's, there's, there's always been some, some intangible factor that keeps them in games and keeps them close. And if it's either not making the mistakes in the end and having good fast breaks and that kind of stuff to keep the game close. And that's why I say you really can't count them out. But I think if Anthony Davis has a great game, they're going to be far enough behind. They won't be able to even, you know, create something like that as far as a comeback goes. But, you know, I have a lot of friends who are picking Kansas just because they're Kansas diehards. And um, I can see their point is, you know, Kansas wasn't, wasn't a number two team all season in this league, um, and they lose the, uh, their conference to Baylor in the final game. You know, they go in as a number two, but like I said, that, that takes pressure off of them, and I think they played better in that role as not having the pressure on them, just like they did against Ohio State. I really, I really thought – the way they just stayed that final two minutes against Ohio State. I really thought in the chess match from the coaches to the players, I really, really thought that uh, Bill Seif and Bill Seif and uh, Kansas just took the fight to Ohio's. It was almost kind of like, I, I hate saying something like this, but it was almost as if at a certain point Ohio State surrendered. I mean, they weren't even ready for the last – Two minute, two seconds of the game, they they were complaining or bitching about whatever the call was, and then they inbounded the ball, and it just. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I mean. You know, they don't make mistakes coming down to the end, um, and that's a crucial time. And and if you make the right plays and you, you don't make mistakes, that gives you a better chance to pull it off. And uh, you know, Kentucky might be surprised with with the matchup they're getting. And, you know, like I said, if, if they don't play good ball the whole game, you know, and Kansas stays close, you know, th- there's always that chance that Kansas doesn't make that late mistake and, and they get into the game, and, and Kentucky does, just because of the pressure at that particular time of the game. That was something else. Wow. I mean, was, oh, my God. It just went back and forth. And yeah. <laughs> I actually really liked uh, Thad Mata's halftime um, interview where he said, you know what, we've given them too many chances to stay in this game. And yeah. sure enough, lo and behold, if if they really stifle one of those baskets within the last minute before halftime, we're talking about Ohio State playing for the national championship. But 
uh, <laughs> I guess we do that kind of stuff a lot in sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, of course we do. You know, everybody thinks they know, you know, who the better team is going in, but that's that's not always the case at the end. So, you know, take the Super Bowl, for example, there, you know. Yeah. Well, I think when you had uh, your interview with James Brown shortly after winning the uh, director of Fandemonium, he says to you, who do you like? And you said, well, I can't see him beating Manning. <laughs> right, unless they keep him off the field, and that's what they ended up doing, you know. You you, you didn't see it until it, it actually happened, and, you know, you, you figured that even back then that, that a team like New Orleans, you know, was going to keep it close and always had a chance, but, you know, unless they did certain things, they, they weren't going to, you know, pull it off, and the same thing with the Giants this year, you know, and, and it comes down to the same thing in, in – just about every championship game, you know, everybody's going to pick their favorite. And it's usually, you know, one, the team that's been the better team talent-wise all all season long. But uh, there's always that intangible when it comes down to especially college, NCAA. You, you never know who, who's going to get the hot hand at the very end. And, you know, hey, Kentucky could miss some shots at the end that, that cost them. You never know. So uh, I'm not counting Kansas out at all. I'm going to pick – Kentucky, of course, because that's who I picked at the beginning of the tournament. But um, seeing Kansas there, you know, really, really made it a little bit more interesting, I think, than uh, than it would be if it was Ohio State, who I thought Kentucky definitely has more talent than. And um, you know, Kansas here, talent-wise, Kentucky's a better team. But with all the intangibles that Kansas brings to the game, it's going to make it a good game, I think. Uh, I also I also agree. Uh, we're not going to give score predictions until the end. What we're going to do, we're going to jump into a quick break as we're only doing a half hour today because Ralph and I want to watch the games. And then we're actually – I got a little surprise for Ralph. Stand Ooh. by. <laughs> April 2nd, 2005. Pope John Paul II dies at his apartment in the Vatican at age 84. He led the Roman Catholic Church for 26 years and helped topple communism in Eastern Europe. May Christ give you his grace and his peace overturning the barriers of division and making all things one in him. 1917, in Washington, President Woodrow Wilson asks Congress to declare war on Germany. Wilson says the world must be made safe for democracy. The U.S. enters World War I days later. 1513, Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon lands in Florida during his search for the mythical Fountain of Youth. 1982, in the South Atlantic, troops from Argentina seized the disputed Falkland Islands from Britain. British forces retake the islands from Argentina by the following June. And 1805. Storyteller Hans Christian Andersen is born in Denmark. Among his fairy tales, The Ugly Duckling, The Emperor's New Clothes, and The Princess and the Pea. Today in History, April 2nd, Mike Gracia, The Associated Press. All right, and everybody, we are going to have score predictions, but... For right now, I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, everyone's been wondering. It's really funny. Is that 
you want to take part in our sports show, I've gotten like five or six emails from people. Well, you got to call in and you got to take part. Primetime sports and football season is right around the corner. And Ralph and I and Jermaine and Jake and many others will be on board. So are you. Let's preview a little bit of college football. Get that adrenaline flowing just before the draft. So let us know what you think. Here's one shining moment. life so interesting. The theory of evolution claims only the strong shall survive. Maybe so. Maybe. Here's the thing that makes life so interesting. The theory of evolution claims only the strong shall survive. Maybe so. Maybe so. But the theory of competition says just because they're the strong doesn't mean they can't get their asses kicked. That's right. See, what every long shot come from behind underdog will tell you is this. The other guy may in fact be the favorite. The odds may be stacked against you. Fair enough. But what the odds don't know is this isn't a math test. This is a completely different kind of test. One where passion has a funny way of trumping logic. So before you step up to the starting line, before the whistle blows and the clock starts ticking, just remember out here, the results don't always add up. No matter what the stats may say, and the experts may think, and the commentators may have predicted, when the race is on, all bets are off. Don't be surprised if somebody decides to flip the script and take a pass on yelling uncle. And then suddenly, as the old saying goes, we got ourselves a game. Tonight is the NCAA championship. We love the fact that it's baseball season about to start, the excitement of opening day. We love the fact that sports is with us. But, Ralph, our favorite love, the draft in college football. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> your, uh, your Florida Gators, a lot of good talk as far as their spring, uh, their spring uh, training seems like a lot of uh, high school athletes uh, who are unknown are going to be wearing a Gator uniform, going to uh, some uh, redshirt freshmen and some yep. sophomores. Looks like they're going to start uh, letting everybody know the Gators are uh, going to be back, despite Urban Meyer or not. Well, you know, they, they've, they've got two good quarterbacks coming back. Um, they've got a couple of good 
they've, they've always had an excellent line there. They got some great players this year uh, coming back. So uh, they were a young team last year, struggled a lot last year. And um, I think we'll see a different team this year. And uh, with with Coach Meechamp coming back and, and for a second year now and, and starting to get his program rolling a little bit, uh, I think we'll definitely see a different Gator team. And, you know, of course, it's always going to be tough. The SEC is always tough. Les Miles will be there with, with the uh, LSU Tigers. And uh, you know that uh, Georgia's going to be improved again this year because they were young last year as well. Uh, so you never can count uh, count anybody out in the SEC. They always uh, always everybody has a good team. Alabama will be back, of course. Um, they they've lost some key players, but uh, they always seem to have a guy come in and fill in. So it's going to be exciting. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the draft here in a in a couple weeks, and uh, we're planning on uh, having quite a party out here at the stadium, and uh, we're having a big draft party with the Dolphins. Uh, looking forward to a pick number eight, and hopefully getting us. Uh, some good players to help our team out this year, so hopefully we can get over the hump and have a have a winning season, make the playoffs. Uh, walk us through what is what is it like behind the scenes? You obviously were there. You even read a draft pick. Um, that whole day is so damn exciting. What, what is it like being behind the stage and just just all of that? Well, it's it's actually uh, pretty laid back that that you would you know the the excitement you see is is really something that that television has created. Um, a lot of these guys are are very laid back and you know just kind of taking it all in because it especially the first round it takes so long in between picks because each team uses that that whole fifteen minutes you know and uh, it's going back and forth and back and forth you know some of some of the guys that are are right on the edge, uh, say from pick 10 through 15 through 20. Uh, those guys just really never know until like the last minute where they're going. So that, that kind of thing can be pretty exciting for them. But, you know, the guys that are they're further back in the second and third round, those guys are pretty laid back and not really, uh, you know, not really nervous and that kind of stuff. They they pretty much take it in stride. Uh, they do get to meet some of the fans uh, in some of the areas where the uh, you're allowed to go and actually talk to some guys at, at a certain table uh, in the little area where you can buy stuff and that kind of thing. They do have a kind of meet the meet the players kind of thing where you can go back there and talk to some of the guys. But um, like I said, the, the the first five picks are, are usually the guys that are on edge because they don't know which team they're going to go to uh, unless it's already been predetermined. Like in the last couple of years, those picks have pretty much been predetermined, so there's no real excitement there. But uh, the guys that are, like I said, from 5, 10, 20 on up, those guys are kind of just wondering, well, you know, who's going to need my my services and where am I going to go? And they don't know until the last minute when they get that phone call. So so that's what's exciting for the guys. And then the next couple of days, you know, on Friday and Saturday, it, it's more of a laid-back situation as well. They, those guys really are just looking to, to find a team that's going to pick them. And when they do get that call, it's very exciting for them and their families. And uh, they're usually at home. They, they, you know, the, the TV's crews are there waiting for something to happen and uh, that's exciting for them so the actual area there where where you can sit there and watch as a fan uh it can get pretty crazy though because um you know there's fans from all the teams there and 
and they they like to cheer for their guys when they finally get the pick and that kind of thing and like i said i've I've been there the last two years, so it's been pretty pretty crazy but I, I haven't been able to be at at our draft party here for the Dolphins in, in a year or so. So it's that's what I'm looking forward to. Who we're gonna pick? Because nobody knows, you know. <laughs> so I'm looking for that excitement this year. Where uh, when you were there, did you actually, from a layperson's standpoint, the point I'm trying to make is I'm watching on TV, and they say. In the 16th pick, this team selects this player. What's it like actually watching a player pick up the phone, saying, hey, coach, or whatever, and then, you know, 15, 20 seconds later, the commissioner's making the announcement. You already knew that. I mean, because for the layperson at home, they don't know until the announcement's made. Right, right. Well, that's what I'm saying there. All that excitement happens right then when they get the call and and their families around and and they're you know giving hugs to each other. Finally, the guy got picked and that kind of thing. But when he comes out on stage, it's it's really a show for the fans at home that are watching, you know, from say the West Coast or whatever. It's it's really a a, a big build up for those folks, and you know everybody's che- cheering and high fiving when the guy comes out and he gets to hold up the jersey. That's an exciting time for them, being actually getting that that first big television exposure as an NFL player and that kind of thing. And and you know meeting meeting Roger Goodell is is really a cool thing. I did get to do that at the first draft that I went to, and uh, it's it's fun to see somebody like him and, and shake his hand and get to say a few words with him and that sort of thing. And so all these guys look forward to going out there and, and meeting him and getting the hug and all that kind of stuff and getting to take their picture. Um, so it, it's pretty exciting for them. And then the, the media just, just goes crazy on these guys after they get them backstage. And uh, that's that's where I think it's really a lot of fun for the guys. Wow. I am very, 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 very jealous. All righty, Ralph. Uh <laughs> As we wind down, uh, let everybody know we will be back. Uh, you know, we're going to do a draft show uh, maybe in a week or two. And yep, we yep. will be back pretty soon, yep. And we need more people participating in the show. If they want to have it, it's going to be uh, uh, with GGT. But anyway, with that being yeah, we're said. Gonna, I'm going to try and get a lot of lot of fans from the different teams that I've I've met in the past couple years to try and call in and let us know what they're expecting and that kind of stuff. So it, it should be a pretty fun show. We should have a, a few of these uh, ultimate fans that I've gotten to meet, and uh, we'll have them on for a little bit and find out who their team's going after or what they think the team's going to do, and, and we'll we'll have a good show for sure. I certainly am certainly excited about football season inside of my but anyway, as we wind it down, Ralph, all righty. The director predict Kentucky and tonight um why don't you give us your prediction for a score? Uh, like I said, I think it's it's gonna be close. I, I hope it's gonna stay close right till the end, but um I think Kentucky's gonna pull it out. I'm gonna say about uh seventy seven to uh seventy two, let's put it that way. Okay, I agree. I I, I think um, I think Kentucky will score about uh, in the in the seventies. Um, I think Kansas will score probably in the high fifties or low sixties. I just think at the end, uh, I just think this is Kentucky's game. 
And I think these players are focused and they need to know, or they need to, they know what they need to do. For the director of Fandemonium, Ralph, you have fun tonight. Thank you. Join you us. Thank you, guys. And my friends, thanks for joining me, Ralph. Tonight, everybody is one signing. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before I, before I, don't forget, everyone, tomorrow, the ladies of BTR, we're going to have Annie from Southern Sense. Sense, Sharon Hughes, Andrea Shea King is going to call in from 10.30 to 11 and then of course conservative prime time that's tomorrow and here on the C. Robert Jones Report until then on behalf of the director of Fandemonium for the NFL Ralph Lanier this is Cool Mike bidding you one shining moment I'm sorry.